0: You know, I'm amazed over and over how relevant and how timeless God's word is. Look at Micah chapter six, verse eight. Here's what God's word says. The Lord God has told us what is right and what he demands. See that justice is done. Let mercy be your first concern and humbly obey your God. I'm asking God, to help us as individuals and as a church family to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly and be united as one. So when the world looks at us, when this community that we live in looks at us, they will see that we belong to Jesus based on how we love, both in our words and in our actions. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul describes the church as a body with many, many, many parts. You and I, as followers of Christ, are a part of one body, but we're also individual parts, right? And when one part hurts, the whole body hurts. Like, if my arm hurts, I'm just one body. I feel the effects of that. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 26, it says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. It's true in your body. It's church. It's true in God's church, in his body. So today, let's just face it. Many people around the world are hurting. They're grieving. And they're grieving beyond description. And as a body of Christ, that means we as followers, we hurt together. Paul told us in Romans chapter 12, verse 15, he gave us instructions. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice." and mourn with those who mourn. Now, I don't know about you, but rejoicing comes pretty easy for me. Like, you know, if you know a good friend of yours and they tell you that they're pregnant, it's easy to rejoice, right? The birth of a new baby, it's easy to rejoice. Someone's birthday party, easy to rejoice with people that rejoice. But the mourning part, I'm asking you, his church It's time for us to grieve with those who grieve. It's time for us to mourn with those who are mourning. And I think we need to do just more than that. We need to know how can we make a difference. I want to give you some straight talk for just a minute if you would. When when you read and when I read about injustices in other parts of the world, which happens all the time, it's easy to be sad. It's easy to watch or to listen and to get caught up in a sadness for a moment. But then we tend, or I tend, often to just go back to my life. Our human nature is, we don't like it for a moment, or maybe we even hate it for a moment, but it seems so far away, it's not really happening to me here, and it upsets you, it bothers you, but not for long, oftentimes. But when you see an extended video of horrific abuse that just goes on and on and on. It's no longer a news story in some far, far, far away other place. It's a human being created by God who is suffering. The first time I saw the video and I watched George Floyd, I was speechless. I didn't have words to express. I watched this man beg for mercy, saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. I couldn't watch it all. I don't have a desire to go back and watch it all. And like maybe many of you, maybe most of you, I still don't have the words for the emotions that I feel. It's more than shock. It's more than grief. It's, it's a combination, I think, of indescribable sadness and anger and a profound feeling of helplessness. Like, what can I do with what I saw, right? Here's something I do know. If someone attack someone that I love, I'm going to speak up. I'm going to step in. I'm going to do something. I'm going to use my power to stop it from continuing. Racism is wrong. It's more than wrong. It's evil. And as Christ followers, we need to do something about it. We just can't sit back. We've got to speak up and speak out. Pastor Dr. Charles Dates said believers of color want their brothers and sisters, that's us, as church family, to call out the injustice around them. They want to stand in unity in rebuking a wayward culture. Today, I want to ask you, my church family, to do what's right, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. Now, what's interesting to me is when we say justice, some people blame the police officers, But can I just tell you, it's really, it's not just about the police officers. It's about every single one of us. That's who this is about. Are there some bad police officers? Of course there are. There's some bad people in every profession and every place on the corner of this globe. There's some bad pastors, right? But I also know personally some police officers. I have one in my family. I've got several friends that work in law enforcement and I know those people that I know personally, they went into law or went into the profession of being a police officer, right? To uphold the law because they care about justice, because they care about people and they generally want to make a difference and to make our neighborhoods safer and better for us to live and raise our families. And get this, you don't have to choose a side. It's not about sides. You can wholeheartedly be against racial injustices and we should be as followers of Christ, but and we can also be for honorable officers that do a great job day in and day out. We really can. Here's what I believe about most of you. That you care. You just don't know what to do. Well, I'm hoping to help with that today in a small way of what you and I can do to help. So I'm gonna give you four things. How to help the healing and stop the injustice. And with the power of God, let me tell you, we, I believe, can make a difference right where we're at. Here's number one. The first thing we have to do is admit that racism is real. We have to admit that it's real. Just because maybe you haven't seen racism, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It does exist. And the bottom line is this, we are part of a solution. We need to be part, we can't be though. We can't be part of a solution to a problem that we don't acknowledge exists. We can't be a solution if we don't acknowledge that the problem exists. This takes cultural humility. We all have different biases, perspectives, that just comes with life, right? No matter how you were raised or where you were raised, you got a bias. You, you were raised with different perspectives. We all were. But one of the biggest problems I see, especially in white culture, is thinking that our experiences that we have are everyone else's experiences. In other words, we think how we were raised and however we see the world is how everybody else sees the world, and that's just simply not true, Racism is real. Now, when you know there's a problem as a parent, as a parent, I knew when we had a problem in our home or something going on, that my response was we need to discuss it. We need to sit around and talk about it. We need to teach our kids about it. So let's just take this whole COVID-19 thing that we've all about had it up to here with, right? But it's still going on. What did you do with your kids? If you have kids, you discussed it. You taught about it. I mean, I've got little grandkids, right? And even the four-year-old, right? Five-year-old will say, hey, I say, well, hey, why aren't you going to school? Papa, COVID-19. They tell me they've learned about it. They've learned social distancing because we've talked about it. Drugs are a problem, right? You've talked to your kids about it. I'm sure racism is a problem that needs to be talked about in your home with your kids. They need to understand and get a different perspective. And parents, you have the time. (laughs) You need to increase the teaching. You need to teach empathy to your kids. You need to talk about different cultures and people that come from different backgrounds. Also help your children know the truth, God's truth that everyone, Every single person in this world was created in the image of our almighty God. That would be a great place if you're in chat to type amen. We all should be shouting that from the rooftops, but we should be living that by our actions and our words. We need to grow past the language of us and them. And it's us. We're all the same in God's eyes. We're all created by a magnificent God in his image. So number one, it starts with admitting that racism is real. Once you admit it's real and you call it what it is, that it's wrong, it's beyond wrong, it's evil, and it breaks the heart of God. The second thing that I think we can do to make a difference is listen, listen, listen. We have two ears and one mouth for a reason. We need to do twice as much listening as we do talking. Somebody should be typing amen about that just on social media, right? But listen, we need to listen closely, not just hear, but listen and hear. From people that have a different background. That are going through this whole tension in a different way than you and I might be going through it and ask that person to tell you their story and listen, hear about their background, how they were raised, how racism has impacted their life and I'll tell you what, the more you listen, I've found, the more I listen, the more I realize that I've got a lot more that I need to learn, that I've lived in a pretty small bubble, if you will, You might hear some stuff that you're not real comfortable with, but listen. If you're taking notes, you can fill this in. Some of the most powerful moments in life happen outside your relational comfort zone. And this could be one of those major milestones in your life where you learn as you listen. So we need to admit racism is real. We need to listen, number three, pray, pray, Prayer is powerful. Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse 14 says, if my people, if my people, his church, his followers, who are called by my name, Christian, Christ, right, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and will heal their land. Racism is a sin, It breaks God's heart. So we need to pray. We need to be a part of a solution and we need to act. And the bottom line is we can't do this alone. We can't do this alone. We need help from heaven, from a God who created all of us. That's where prayer comes in. And every single one of us can pray. Pray for Mr. Floyd's family, pray for the people of Minneapolis. Pray for justice. Pray for compassion that starts in your heart. Pray for those who do suffer unjustly all across this globe. Pray for those who protect us bravely and do it with the right heart. Pray for opportunities to use your voice in a way that honors the God that you serve. And pray for restoration. And pray for unity. John chapter 17 verse 20 and 21 and then verse 23. Listen to this. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message. That all of them, get this, may be one, united. Pray for those who protect us, right? But listen, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, May they also be in those that the world may believe that you've sent me. God, use us in such a way. Speak to us that as the world looks on, they'll see you because of how we love. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. We're to love all people like Christ loved us. And listen, he loved us while we were still sinners. We don't have to love people that are just perfect because that would only be one and his name is Jesus. We need to realize we've all been forgiven of a lot. And we need to love like Jesus loves us as followers of Christ. Jesus prayed for unity. Paul prayed for unity. And you know what I'm guilty of sometimes? Maybe you are. You ever been in a situation that you thought, like you've done everything you know how to do, and then you say something like this, well, all I can do now is pray. Can I just tell you, prayer is not a last Resort. It's not your last line of, offense, of defense. It should be your first line of offense. We don't battle against flesh and blood, the Bible says. We fight against evil spirits, right? We fight against demon. The devil is an adversary, and our biggest battles are won on our knees. What if you and I, our generation, could be a catalyst for us to start to get this whole thing right. Well, what else can we do? We admit that racism is real. We listen. We're going to pray. And number four, love. Love. How do we love? Let me give you some adverbs. My, My English teacher would be proud that I know some. Love overtly. That's what we need to do. Love recklessly You can't out love people, right? Boldly love people, generously love people, unconditionally love people, bravely love people. If someone makes a racist joke in your place of work, stop it. Tell them it's unacceptable. You're not going to listen to that. You're not going to stand with that for that. You're going to stand with others. You're going to express unity and you're going to be loyal and loving to all people. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 12 said hatred stirs up conflict. You get that? We can see that all over. Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrongs. You know what love does? It covers sin. Jesus died on a cross and shed his blood so that your sins and mine could be forgiven. All of our sins. Love dispels anger. Love drives out fear. Love forgives and love heals. As Christ followers, we're to love like we've been loved by Jesus everywhere we go. So church, what are we gonna do? We're gonna first acknowledge that racism exists, but it's wrong and it's evil and it breaks the heart of God. But we're also gonna listen We're going to listen to folks whose stories are different than ours, whose background is different from ours, people that are hurting, and we're going to listen, and we're going to spend time with them, and we're going to mourn with those who are mourned. And I want you to listen to their story long enough until you start to see and experience some of the pain, and you and I can cry with them. And please don't say you understand because you don't. Don't ever tell another person that you understand exactly what they're going through because you and I, we don't know what someone else is going through. Listen and just love on them. Do what's right, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly. Now, how will we help? That's how. Declare it exists in the world. Racism, it's more than wrong, it's evil. We're gonna listen and provide care. We're gonna pray with faith and we're gonna love overtly. We're gonna love recklessly, outwardly, generously, unconditionally, and bravely. And I want you to pause and realize this message won't change a lot probably. I hope it changes a little. But this is a very, 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 very small start. We're gonna continue to stand as a church together, lifting up the name that is above every other name. The name of Jesus Christ, the sinless son of God. What I want you to do this morning, wherever you're at, is I want you Maybe to stand. Maybe on your knees. As we unify our hearts, even though we're not all together, we are together in Christ. We're united. And we're gonna do this song, Waymaker, one more time. And I'm just gonna ask you from a heart of unity recognizing that all people are created in the image of God. Let's take a page from Sunday school days. Yellow, black, and white, they're all precious in his sight. The one that created us that doesn't have a favorite. The one who loved us and sent his son to die for all people. Let's unite this morning with that heart and sing not for the people that you're with in the room, But as worship to the Waymaker, the God who's created us all. Would you bow your heads with me and join me for a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are God, that you're the God of all, that every single one of us is precious in your sight. No matter where we are born, no matter what language we speak, no matter what color our skin is. God, we thank you for that. God, but we pray today for those who are really, really hurting. God, this idea about black lives matter, they absolutely do. And God, I know that many of us have a tendency to say, well, all lives matter. And they do. All lives do matter and the unborn lives, they matter. All of my kids and grandkids, God, matter to me. But when one of them is really hurting, when they're in a tough place, I let them know that you matter. It's personal. So God, I get And right now, our black brothers and sisters, they're hurting. And so, God, I ask that you would uh, join our hearts, unite us. Use your church, God, to love and to listen, to be a voice, to speak up, and to point people to you with how we love. Use us as a church to do that in this community. Use me as an individual and as a leader to do that. And use every one of us as individual parts of your body that know you to spread that love, to be hope dealers and love dealers. With our heads still bowed and our eyes closed, speaking of hope, speaking of the way maker, can I tell you a sad story? And that is every single one of you listening to me right now We have something in common. Yes, we were all made in the image of God. The other thing we have in common is every single one of us is a sinner. And sin separates us from our holy creator. But God so loved you and so loved me that it broke his heart to think of us spending eternity separated from him. So he came up with another plan. He made the decision out of love to send his one and only son to this earth to live and to die and to shed his blood so that sin, yours and mine, could be forgiven. He made a way for you and I, sinful people, to get back into a personal relationship with our loving creator. Have you received that gift? I'm not saying have you went to church. I'm not saying have you been baptized. I'm not saying anything except this. Do you know for certain there's a point in time that you can point back to where you acknowledge that you were a sinner, that your sin sent Jesus to a cross. And when he shed his blood, he was shedding his blood for not for his sins, but for yours. Have you with your own mouth told him you're sorry for your sins and invited him into your heart by faith to receive as your Lord and Savior to change you from the inside out to establish a personal relationship with you? You see, God's not mad at you. He's mad about you. He's not looking to zap you. He sent his son to die for you. And if you've never given your heart and life to Christ today's your day. He had you tune in to make the greatest decision of your life. If that's you, wherever you're at, just bow your head, close your eyes. Unless you're driving, don't do that. But turn your heart over to Jesus through this prayer. You make it yours. Say, God, I don't understand it all, but I admit that I'm a sinner. I've done so, so many things wrong. And today I come to you as my only hope, my greatest hope and I turn from my sin and by faith I invite you in to be Lord and Savior of my life to create in me a brand new heart to take up residence and live through me and for the rest of my days and for all eternity I belong to you that can never change because now with you living in me you see me as perfect and from this day forward I want to live for you I want to love for you I want people to look at how I love and be drawn to you like I was drawn to you today. I say thank you for the greatest gift ever that I can't earn or deserve. And I give you all the praise, Waymaker, to the one whose name is above all names, the one and only Alpha and Omega, beginning and end, true God, in whose name we all prayed and everybody typed an amen into chat. God bless. Have a great, great day. We'll see you next week.